Podcast. I'm just Mosqueda. You can find me on Twitter at J U M O S Q the Jew Mosque. I'm here with my co-host Charles McDonald. You can find him at Julian Edelman Assange, trying to destabilize draft Twitter one step at a time. Say what's up to the people, Chuck. Well, I don't even know what that means or what you just said, but what's up to the good people? So uh, we're here with with two co-hosts, or I get guess. Yes, they're basically co-hosts at this point. Um, what? Derek, <laughs> Derek Clausen and Mark Schofield. Derek, uh, go ahead, plug your your Twitter handle, say what's up, plug everything that you need to right now. All right, hey, what's up to the people? Um, at QB Class on Twitter, Q B K L A S S. I write for Bleacher Report. I did the some of the linebackers on NFL 1000, um, and I do some Ram stuff over at Turf Show Times. Don't forget, you're you're a slave for Eric Galco too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm Galco's like little minion slave he actually just texted me today he's like yo can you finish up a couple reports i was like dog fine (laughs) (laughs) all right mark it's your turn hey hey people mark schofield at m-a-r-k-s-c-h-o-f-i-e-l-d on twitter um from inside the pylon you can also find our draft guide check that out at uh itpdraftguide.com you guys have a website for the draft guide we do wow that's gonna be online man that's very official uh (laughs) So pretty much these guys, Mark and uh, Derek, they spend most of their time watching quarterbacks for the draft. And, you know, since this quarterback class is, I mean, the takes are just all over the place. Uh, We thought it'd be interesting to have them to uh, have them on to talk about quarterbacks and answer some of you guys' questions. So we got a lot of questions, so let's dive right in. First up, from our good pal, Matt Waldman, at Matt Waldman, which quarterback, not Watson, Trubisky, Webb, Mahomes, Kaiser, would you guys love to see earn a roster spot and develop? I could jump um, in on that. I mean, I, yeah, you tackle that I, one it, first. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends, like, in what you're looking at in terms of develop, developmental guy. Like, you know, the kid Evans from Virginia Tech, I think he's incredibly raw, um, but he's really talented. You know, a guy that I really like watching play, and I think, you know, he's got the athletic ability and the ability as a quarterback, as a passer, the arm strength and stuff that I think that in the right setting he could grow into a starting quarterback in the NFL. But he's one of these guys that you just wonder if he's going to get that chance. Um, you know, another guy in the right setting that I think could be really good is Brad Kaya. I think you get him on a West Coast team, and he's perfect for that kind of offense. If you're a team like Kansas City that doesn't address quarterback early. You know, I think Kai is a guy that you take maybe day two, and he could push Alex Smith pretty quickly, I think, for the starting job out there. Derek? Ah, you're, you're stealing all my takes, Mark. I mean, those, <laughs> those are those are. You let <laughs> me go first, man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I guess I did that to myself. Um, I mean, I was going to say Evans, too, because, like you said, like Evans is raw, but um, he has impressive natural arm talent. Um, he kind of reminds me of, like, what Flacco is. Uh, I think he has a little bit – 
ways to go just because like he was only a one-year starter and if you watch him play it looks like he was hurt for like half the year like you can tell his ankles bugging him and he's keeping weight off of it ever since um like the ECU game which was only like four or five weeks into the season so um he's just a really weird guy to watch on tape but like the tools are definitely there and he was one of my best uh passers in the one to five yard range and he did good in the six to ten so it's like you can get easy yards with him, and then I think he has a good enough arm to go deep. Um, so you get a little bit of variance with him. And then I was going to say Kaya, too, because I was just tweeting about uh, Brad Kaya versus Nate Peterman. And, like, Nate Peterman, I don't really understand because if you're taking Peterman, I don't know what exactly you're supposed to do with your offense to be like, okay, this is exactly how we succeed. With Kaya, it's like you said, like, you can go West Coast, and he's going to win that 1-10 to 10 range pretty well. He might not really make any other passes beyond that, and he's not going to create offense. But, I mean, if you have a good defense and all you're trying to do is, like, slowly chip away defenses, Kaya can do that. Peterman's like a wild card who I just don't think is talented enough to be a wild card, like, in the way that he is. And the thing Peterman P- even is Peterman even better, that, like, as a prospect than, like, Tom Savage? Because I just rewatched him today, and I was thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't even think he's the best, like, pit quarterback in, like, the past five years. I probably agree. I'm not really a Peterman guy. I don't get it. Like, I— when the when he was you know the guy at the senior bowl like i i just couldn't buy it i mean i understand that he's like the like coach's pet type and he he's going to like follow orders and all that sort of thing and i think there's value in that at least in terms of like what nfl teams like i just don't think he's a like that good of a quarterback yeah i mean the thing with peterman that i'm kind of struggling with is like what do you do with him schematically like what offensive style fits him best because mm-hmm. i mean you know processing speed wise i don't think he's a great fit for a west coast team like, he doesn't truly have the, like, power-type arm where you could get him into, like, Baltimore or Arizona and see him succeed there. I mean, you know, he does some things that are okay. Like, he makes some throws in the inter- intermediate range that are, like, okay. But as far as, like, a rhythm, timing-type offense, like, for example, New England, I don't see him really fit in there. And if you kind of rewatch his tape, and you guys have seen this when you've gone through it, like, you know, even though Matt Canada's offense is somewhat complex with the motion and the shifting and stuff, they gave him a lot of like half field, simplified reads, designed rollouts, designed bootlegs. Like, what do you do with that? He like, rolled out a ton, dude. Yeah. Like in my numbers, like I, I chart whether they roll out or not, and he's like just by far the most that's getting rolled out. Um, and a lot of them are like just like three step rollouts, just like three step and hit a dude in the flats. Like it's really, really easy stuff. Yeah, so I just I don't know where you go with that. Like I could see an offense like Washington, like last year they had a lot of like half field reads, a lot of mirrored passing concepts for Cousins. Like you, he could run something like that. But like, are you really gonna spend like day two or maybe even, you know, early day two draft capital on a guy that that's what you're gonna get? Like I don't know. Like that's what I'm struggling with. Yeah, and, and, like going back to Evans, I. I the first game I saw of him was uh, I think it was a draft breakdown cup versus Boston College, and he shredded that defense. Like I watched him, I was like, "Yo, like why isn't this dude get more hype? Like he looks as talented as any other quarterback in his class." And then you know you, you watch more games, and he was he was pretty inconsistent. But if there was a, a guy that I wanted to take in the late rounds, I would I would probably roll with Evans just because you know he, he has the tools and uh, he has shown that he can play. He just just is not nearly nearly consistent enough to to be like a day two pick at this time all right next question from uh 24 kieran magic at ryan underscore kieran if you had to bet on only one of kaiser and mahomes hitting their ceiling which is it 
Clock, so you can take this one. Uh, I mean, I'm Team Kaiser. Kaiser like, Hive. QQ1. Yeah, yeah, Let's do yeah. It. Me. Yeah, Let's like, do this. the thing with with Kaiser is, like, like, you guys were talking about this when, when Stoner was on, is because the thing with Kaiser is people are concerned, like, okay, does he have it mentally? And you saw him break down uh, the second half of 2016. And I think pretty much anybody that knows who Brian Kelly is and understands, like, the whole college football landscape would understand that Brian Kelly's an idiot. Um, but And then the argument kind of comes down to, like, okay, how much can you give the quarterback leniency for that? And how much is that, like, fully on the coach? And, like, it, it becomes a really tricky argument. But with Kaiser, like, we've seen him be mentally dominant. I mean, like... Michigan State, they didn't end up winning, but he battled in that game in 2016. You go back to 2015. Ever, like, you can go to, like, the UVA game. He's yes. off the bench throwing game-winning touchdowns. It was, like, a 50-yard pass for a touchdown, <laughs> like, off his back foot. Like, it, it was incredible. Like, those, those those plays were still there in 2016 when people said that, like, the wheels were falling off. Like, even against, like, Syracuse, there's that yep. deep pass down the sideline against Syracuse where his right tackle totally whiffs on a play or, like, whiffs on a rush attempt. The guy goes inside. He has to step out outside and just like still in rhythm, just bucket throw all the way down the sideline. That's probably that's the craziest thing to me with Kaiser is like they're like we, we could talk about Mahomes having the tools and all things like that. Right. And that's totally fine with me. Like, I th- I, I kind of like Mahomes still, like even though he's like QB four for me, um, like I still like Mahomes, but he doesn't have the same. He has the same tools as Kaiser. He doesn't have the same flashes as Kaiser. Like you see it all yeah. coming together for Kaiser. Like it's that's another thing too is like his his consistently his consistency fell off during the late stretch of the season, but he still had those flashes. And like I bet yeah. on those flashes and being able to refine like the little things than the other way around. And people talk about like Christian Hackenberg. He, Kaiser's not Christian Hackenberg. Christian Hackenberg didn't have the same type of flashes Kaiser had. Like Christian yeah, Hackenberg, like, Kaiser has imploded. A, Kaiser was better than Hackenberg as a freshman. Yeah, and like he doesn't get and- credit for that. And where I where I get hung up with Kaiser versus Mahomes is like Mahomes does have some really incredible throws like, you know, like six yards down the field um, and, and like window throws over the middle and stuff like he does some really impressive stuff. I'm not disputing that, but I think the nature of Notre Dame's offense made it easier for Kaiser to make throw like really impressive throws that looked more like stuff he's going to do in the NFL, like the one versus USC in 2015 where he just drops a pass like inches over Adoree Jackson's hands, like 45 yards down the field. That's still my favorite throw that any of these prospects have made. And um, just like the nature of Notre Dame's offense, it feels a lot like a college version of what Houston, the Texans do. Um, Just like the nature of his offense allowed it, it made it easy for me to be like, okay, he can definitely do this in the NFL. So I have a question for you since you chart all this stuff, like just rewatching it because I went back and I rewatched all the DB cuts of all these quarterbacks this week so I could finally like get them entrenched and not shift through like the next month and a half, right? Um, and I watched and like Kaiser in the red zone, like Kaiser in the red zone might be the most impressive quarterback like in this draft class. He's, I'm pulling up right in my numbers real quick. He, because he, um, where are my red zone numbers? Let me see. His accuracy was like slightly below average. And I think a lot of that has to do with like that end of the season stretch in 2016. But like his touchdown numbers are, are like on pace and stuff like and not just in the red zone, but his overall explosive play percentage, which is 25 yards or more and uh, or a touchdown um, was the highest that I had. And like I agree with you, like on film, 
Kaiser's the best of any of these dudes in the red zone. Uh, I think Watson is a little bit safer and, like, better at making short throws. But in terms of just, like, he sees a window over a linebacker, like, Kaiser's the best at consistently hitting those types, like, the tough throws in the red zone. All right, Mark, where do you stand on uh, Kaiser versus Mahomes hitting their ceiling? Yeah, I mean, the the thing with looking at these two guys and trying to bet on which one's going to hit their ceiling is with Mahomes, you know it's in all likelihood going to come down to can he fix the on-field stuff, the the inconsistencies in the footwork, the you know the times when you know he'll just decide and I'm just going to backpedal away from the linebacker here and throw off my back foot 60 yards down the field. Like, can he clean that up on a consistent basis versus with Kaiser – you know, I, I agree with what a lot of what Clawson and Justice were just saying. Like Kaiser, from stretches from 2015 into early 2016, was probably as good as tape as you we've seen from the guys in this class. But it's the off the field stuff, all the like questions about. Look, this is like, is this a kid that still wants to play football? Like we don't, we can't answer those questions sitting here. Like on tape, like just looking at these two guys side by side as quarterbacks playing the game between the lines. Like I think Kaiser might be a safer bet. But it's that other stuff, those questions that we can't answer that the guys were asking them about, you know, in at the combine and then in the meetings rooms. Like, that's where I sort of get some pause from Kaiser. Now, I think Clawson's right, viewing this from afar, that, like, it's more a Brian Kelly thing than anything. But we just don't know that. I mean, so as far as, like, purely on the field, I think it would be Kaiser who's probably more likely to hit his ceiling. But putting the whole thing together right now, I'd got to almost, almost lead Mahomes. Yeah, it was so weird because even at the combine, like when you saw Kaiser going through the the drills on air when he was throwing, uh, when he would miss, you could just see him like get down on himself and like with every miss, like he just lost his confidence. I'm like, dude, I did like this is, I mean, from a talent perspective, he's probably he. I mean, I, you could easily make the case he's quarterback one, but I mean, when you when you visibly see somebody lose their confidence like that, and it's not even like a, a game setting, you're just it's just throwing on air and I, I get it's a, a big job interview that kind of makes you go back and think about how he said he almost quit football because he had a bad spring practice in, in like 2014 so that's just I mean just based off the narratives that's not someone uncomfortable handing the keys to the franchise to but like yeah, how, how how close is that to like the Derek Carr like his kid was gonna die so he wasn't first one in last one out of the weight room well, think, Fresno State. What, how's like the, the NFL's same thing never been right about these off-field questions with quarterbacks. It's like well, think about like what happened with. But how's think about what thing? happened with Ronnie Stanley, like coming out of Notre Dame. Like when Ronnie Stanley came out of Notre Dame, people were like, "Oh, we don't know if he really even wants to play football." Like he was a big basketball guy coming in, so we don't even know how like his character is and all that stuff and how he feels about the game. And then Ronnie Stanley went on and was like a pretty good left tackle for the Ravens this year. So it's like. I don't know how much we're supposed to trust but coming then, out of Notre Dame. Isn't this on the record of him saying that he was going to quit football in 2014? No, yeah, that part's true. Like, I don't think that there's – I don't think it's unreasonable to be skeptical about Kaiser. Like, I'm skeptical skeptical about Kaiser. I think it's just I'm more comfortable with what I've seen on the field to, like, rationalize, okay, I don't, I don't think he's going to completely implode. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the question mark that, you know, we, we can't answer from the outside. But, you know, as far as, like, you know, which guy looks ready to, like, step in and play football between the lines at the next level, I agree with Derek and I agree with Justice. Like, you know, Kaiser makes throws in an offense that looks more NFL-like, I think, um, than some of the other guys. And I think all the other guys in this class to an extent. So, I mean, the on-the-field talent's there. It's just 
the question marks we can't answer. Team Watson. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next question from our uh, friend in quotes, KP at KP <laughs> underscore show. What's more important, touch on the outside numbers or velocity in between them? Mark, you played quarterback, so I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you catch that one first. Well, I couldn't do either, so <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. No, I mean, it, it, that's tough. I mean, a lot of it's pretty scheme dependent, I think, from offense to offense. But I mean, in reality, like you can scheme your way to throws along the outside. Like Cody Kessler was, you know, completing throws on the outside. I mean, because he had touch, he had time, and he had some anticipation to be able to get the ball to the outside. Look at what some of the stuff Brady was doing to Edelman in playoffs and in the Super Bowl, but just yeah. sort of lofting balls out there. I know, man. I'm sorry to bring it up, but it's an easy example. Whereas, you know, when you've got tight windows in between the hashes, when you've got linebackers or even, you know, safeties down in the box that can move, that can, you know, change direction quickly, like being able to drive those throws in between the numbers, that's something you need to do regardless of scheme. Like you can, you know, move the ball down the field without making touch throws down the sideline, but you're going to need to throw the ball over the middle. You're going to need to attack linebackers underneath. And so being able to like dial up velocity at those times, I think it's almost critically important to almost any offense having success. I think I agree. And, and kind of like you said, I think it does matter on like what the offense is like and how much you're asked to do either of them. Um, but I agree. Cause look at like Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan has a solid arm, but he doesn't have a great arm and he throws one of the best like corner routes in the league. So it, it's, I think touch on the outside is is something that is like anybody like any type of arm can do that I think whereas with when you're getting window throws like I think it's harder to have that kind of anticipation that kind of trigger that kind of velocity like I think and touch like I think the combination of traits that you need for hitting windows over the middle is a little bit tougher to have See, so this is the conversation that people were having with like Deshaun Watson, where Deshaun Watson had that low velocity at the combine. But if you watch his deep attempts, like at Clemson, he's not really winning with velocity. He's winning the same way Dak Prescott did with mm-hmm. with um crap. I forget what his name is at Mississippi State. I forget this every single time. Deronia Wilson, right? Fake, yeah. fake Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah, Deronia Wilson, and then the way he won with Dez last year, where he was, it was more of a matchup situation, right? And it was like a jump ball. Like, if, we're, if I'm in a bad spot, we have a 50-50 with you out there. And I feel like that's what Deshaun Watson did with Mike Williams, with Mike Williams, and that's totally fine. You know what I mean? But I, I think there there is a very real difference between, like, being able to throw that bucket throw down the sideline and be able to hit the whole, like, hitting the post on cover three, like, throwing it over that, like, throwing it fast enough that it doesn't catch that backer, but you still got to hit it in time to close in between those two safeties. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's right. And, you know, you can scheme some throws to the outside for guys that don't have power arms. Like you can, you know, run smash or sail or something to get guys open on those levels of the field. But, you know, so there's ways you can do it with anticipation. You can do it with touch. You can scheme that stuff open. But, you know, you need, like Derek was kind of saying, you need to put a bunch of things together to throw that, you know, underneath crosser you know, against the cover three look or that post route, like you were just saying, just as against the cover three look or whatever coverage you think of, you know, you can't just rely on one trade over the other. You need to put them all together, which is why I think, you know, velocity between the numbers, you know, being able to make those window shots, it's tougher. And it's when you've got it, it's rare and you can take advantage of it. All right. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't really have an answer. I just wanted to listen to you guys talk about that. Next question <laughs> from the Mick, the Mick Norton. That's dumb. Uh, just how crazy are Davis Webb round one talks? They're insane. All right. Analysis. Yeah, next question. <laughs> He's not good. He's not good. Like, I don't really have – like, we were talking about this in Mobile, like, and I was talking about it with Mark, and I was talked about it with all you guys. It's like, okay, he can throw nine. I don't think he can throw hitch. I don't know if he can throw slant. I don't know if he can throw dig. Like, I don't know what else he throws except for a nine ball. Yeah, and, you know, he can give you it in the nine route, but what about the other eight? Like, that's the yep. question that I have with him. And, like, you know, I, I could almost see it if you're, like, Baltimore, if you're Arizona, if you've got, like, a vertical-based passing game, you know, maybe at the end of the first round, if he's still there, which he should be, you think, okay, well, maybe we'll trade back in to get that potential fifth year on him. Maybe in an isolated case. But, I, you know, I look at him and I just think he's a really scheme-dependent guy. And if you're taking somebody in the first round, like you want to be able to get somebody that can run a couple of different types of offenses. If you're just getting like basically a situational type quarterback to spend first round capital on them, just seems kind of a crazy idea to me. That's a long form way to say that Webb sucks and whoever takes him in the first round should be fired. So yeah, there you go. Related yep. to that from ah. Stephen Thomas at 15, Stephen 15. If the Browns take Webb, should I drink bleach or crack open the CIA cyanide capsule in my cheek? Both, just to be one. safe. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I mean, bleach. Bleach kind of smells okay. <laughs> I, I think like I'm. What? Like, what? It, what? Smell, it smells okay. Like when you like when you pull uh like when you pull I'm not just sniffing it. Yeah, yeah you're true. drinking it, man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, like when you pull bleach out of like something you bleach out of the dryer and it smells like all fresh and stuff. Like I don't know. I mean, I guess to Stephen's question though, like it depends on what the how the Browns do it. Like if they go, you know, Garrett and then they address defense again at twelve, and you know, you take Davis Webb at the start of the second round, like that's still it's too not high. ideal. That's still I think high. it's still too high, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm I'm I don't I'm not buying these guys that have to transfer for guys that are in the the same classism like Webb and Peterman. I'm, I just, I can't buy Peterman. that. It's going to be, it's going to be so funny. Like if Webb and uh, if Webb goes before Mahomes and Peterman goes before Dobbs, that would be like, Peter it's probably going to happen. Yeah. I think Peterman's going high, dude. Like, I think he's going day two. Yeah. Like he, yeah, I'm pretty confident on that one as well. And yeah, but the Webb day two late day one thing wouldn't shock me. Where do you guys think Brad Kai goes? Because he's a junior. Like, Gerard Evans very much was, like, a guy who came out of nowhere. He was playing at a community college, um, came from – he. I mean, he transferred out of the Air Force Academy before that. But, like, Brad Kai has been someone who was known since, like, his freshman year and kind of surprised everyone by declaring as a junior. And we've kind of heard rumbling – I mean, we've heard rumblings of Trubisky, Watson, Kaiser, and Mahomes all now as QB1 at various points in the cycle, and it has never come around for Kai. Yeah, I mean, I think he goes day two, probably third round. I mean, I'm surprised he's still flying under the radar because you watch him and, like, he's probably the most, like, technically sound, almost robotic quarterback in this class. Like He's very Aaron, Aaron Murray-ish. Yeah. I mean, the footwork and everything, it's like, you know, you could make a coaching tape out of the stuff he does dropping back and whatever. But, like, it's just weird that he's, like, flown under the radar to such an extent where, like you said, Justice, he's, like, never got into the discussion for that top tier let alone QB1. Like, everybody looks at him and, like, he's in that next tier of guys with, like, Webb and Peterman and Evans and, you know, some well, I'm not guys. even I'm not even sure people talk about him, like, Webb, Peterman, and, like, even at one point, like, Chad Kelly, right? 
Like th- those guys still like got their run as like, hey, they're the guys who are kind of like breaking out at the senior bowl or these were the top seniors and things like that. Like yeah. Kaya, Kaya is like junior number five or whatever, number six, has just never gotten that that pub, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's kind of crazy to be honest. I mean, I, I've got him in that next tier. And, you know, like we talked about it a bit earlier, like in the right system, like if you're Kansas City, if you're Philly, like he could plug and you could almost plug and play him right now, I think. And he could succeed. It's just he's kind of limited, I think, where he could go beyond that. Like, I, I, you know, I certainly think he's more than capable to be a, you know, spot starter type guy, maybe even develop in the right situation, the right offense into a starter someday. It's just that, you know, he's just flown under the radar and. I can't for the life. I mean, I think maybe it is he explodes on the scene as a freshman and then just kind of never developed into something more beyond what he was. And what he is is a pretty good quarterback. Yeah, like where I like Kaya is, I mean, I don't like him that much overall. Like he's going to be my quarterback like six or seven maybe. Um, But he's the opposite of Peterman where it's like Peterman, I don't really know exactly how you're supposed to construct your offense. We were talking about this earlier, like with Kaya – I can run a bunch of, like, simple, you know, two, three-man route combos within, like, 12 yards, and you're going to be able to generate offense with him. He's not necessarily going to create, you know, window throws 20 yards down the field, um, but you don't need to do – you don't need that from him if he's going to be your quarterback – if he's going to be your backup quarterback. Like, I think he can be a stable guy to just get you simple yards, and that's, that's about all I can ask for from a backup quarterback. I don't have any takes on Kai. On Kai, I haven't watched them at all. Yeah, you don't have to. It's okay. Yeah, you do it, so I don't have to. All right. <laughs> next question uh, from Clint McLean. Uh, why do people get bad mechanics confused with just inconsistent me- mechanics? Hashtag Mahomes QB one. Um, I wrote about this. I think the thing is like inconsistent. Like mechanics are they're a lot more visible because like if a guy is normally doing things right and then just supremely messes up on one throw, you know, it's like very, very noticeable to the eye. Like, okay, he just messed up. And when Mahomes does it at the rate that he does, like, I think generally Mahomes has pretty good mechanics. They're a little unorthodox, but like he always gets his shoulder around and he he knows what he's doing. Um, But he does have moments where, he just kind of abandons all of his mechanics and it's very obvious to the eye that like, okay, that doesn't look right. But then you look at the antithesis of that, which is Trubisky, who it kind of looks right what he's doing, but uh, his shoulder is always off, like way too wide. Um, He opens his left foot way too much. Like you can tell his arm is traveling behind the rest of his body when he throws all the time, but it looks close enough to the norm that he doesn't really get the knock for bad mechanics, even though, I'm a lot more worried about Trubisky's mechanics than I am Mahomes. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask you that, Derek, because I, I kind of agree. Like, there are times when you look at Mahomes and mechanically he's pretty sound, almost like perfect. But Trubisky is like does the same things consistently wrong. I mean, he's you know stepping way open with that left foot, like you said. He's opening that left shoulder. It's he's missing throws as a direct result of it. And it's like repeated over and over and over again. And, you know, you can, you know, mechanics aren't a problem until they become a problem. 
And I think with Trubisky, you see more and more examples of his mechanics leading to missed throws. But it's easier to see what Mahomes does and point out, oh, man, that just, that's just wrong mechanically. And it's kind of built into this narrative that he's a complete tear down and rebuild mechanically, which I think is just a wrong way to look at it. Like, I think that, you know, there are times when Mahomes does what you want to see a quarterback do. You just need to, like, just make him just do that more and repeat that more and more. Like a golf swing, just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. But Trubisky, he's closer to a tear down and rebuild because he's got to fix that front foot. He's got to fix that front shoulder. And he's got to get everything pointed towards the target instead of stepping into the bucket. Exactly. And with Trubisky, it's very obvious, like, where it hurts him the most. It hurts him the most when he's throwing left because, like, when he's throwing to his left and he already opens wide, like he opens wide to the point where his feet are almost like parallel to a yard line on on the field, which is which yeah. is really really wrong. Um, and then like when he's going vertical, you can tell it hurts him a lot because the when you're opening your foot that wide, it messes up like your synchronization and like when everything is happening. So his arm ends up behind the ball. Ball ends up getting way too much air under it. So it's very obvious like where he has problems. With Mahomes, it just, like, it, it, sometimes it just happens. And, like, when I can't tell why or when it happens, I think that's more inconsistent mechanics, um, especially when I see from Mahomes that, like, he's normally doing the right thing. With Trubisky, it's very obvious where it hurts him, and I don't know how he's going to change it. Like, I, I, like, like you were saying, like, he's the guy you need to tear down and rebuild. Yeah, he's super similar to Cutler. Like, unbelievably similar to Cutler in terms of, like, just his his shoulder relationship and things like that. Like, feet feet don't bother me as much. I mean, this probably comes from, like, watching Aaron Rodgers, right? Where I'm like, feet, whatever, that's fine. Like, shoulders what really matters to me. And, like, that thing is just wide open all the time. You talk about uh, Trubisky's wide, wide stance. Do we remember if Bren Redder played under Larry Fedora or not? Um, because Bren Renner had the same exact problem at UNC, and he was hyped up as like QB two coming into his senior year, and then I think he went undrafted. Yeah, I don't know. Let me look that up real quick. But I was just gonna say that, uh, I, like, even if you do think Mahomes has bad mechanics, like, at, at what point does the the results outweigh the process? You know, because maybe he, he looks like he, he's he's drunk when he's out there, but. The ball is getting to the right spot most of the time. So, I mean, yeah, and how can you let that bother you that much? Yeah, and that's kind of what I was saying. Like, the mechanics aren't a problem until they are a problem. When he starts, like, missing throws, when he starts, like, when you start see him, like, have throws that, like, lead to turnovers because it's pure mechanics and not anything else, then, yeah, then you have to worry about it. Like, going through Mahomes, like, there are times when, like, yeah, he has a straight front leg that's straight that locks. It leads him to sail a throw. Like, yeah, he does it occasionally. You see that more and more and more, and yeah, it becomes a problem that you need to fix. But right now, you know, I think you just maybe fine-tune some stuff and make sure he's, like, you know, not deciding to just strangely Dan Fauci and backpedal when he wants to, and he'll be okay. Like, I, I don't think you try to change too much with him. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Justice Bryn Renner played two seasons under Larry Fedora. Boom. Yeah. So maybe that is, like, a, a coaching thing. I don't know. It could be. I don't remember watching Marquise Williams because no one really talked about him as a prospect. He ended up in Green Bay, and I don't think I remember a single snap from him there. But uh, that that very well could be a coaching thing because I like that's like I'm trying to think of like the quarterback prospects whose bases were the widest that I can remember, and I think it was Bren Renner, probably Zach Mettenberger, and that ended up leading to him blowing out his knee, and then tr- probably Trubisky because Trubisky does a weird thing where he gets a really thin base and he'll like 
bounce around in it. And then when he loads up, he gets that really wide base again. Yeah, like nothing that he does like flows. It's he's very uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, he had like two decisions that just left me like really scratching my head and just you know, you heard a lot of talk about how Trubitsky was like able to make a lot of decisions and a lot of scrimmage and like he's a really smart, heady type guy, but like he was missing like like that interception he threw against Stanford for a pick six. Like that was just a simple cover two roll to cover one look that he yeah. just like missed. And it it didn't even happen like at the snap. Like you know, it was happening before the play, and he just, like, l- missed it. And there was a throw against UVA that was a uh, stick concept where number three was uncovered pre-snap. Number two receiver is covered up by a corner, so he expects to throw the easy car route. The s- slot corner jumps from two to three, and he just freezes. Like, he doesn't know what to do next. I mean, that's just a simple high school. Read, he, like, he, go to two. He does freeze. He does freeze a yeah. little bit. And, like, that. that's the one – like – the people who give me crap about me not having Carson Wentz like high last year, that's the thing that they always get on me on. But like Carson Wentz didn't – Carson Wentz had a worse season than you guys are, are are like most people acknowledge, I should say. Like Carson Wentz still very much had that freezing issue, and I've never seen that freezing issue like succeed at like a significant level in the NFL. All right. Uh, you, have you guys watched the uh, Trubisky Gruden camp? No, not yet. Man, you I caught what I could find of it on YouTube. The clip of him not knowing what a hard count was. Oh, yeah, you tweeted about that. That was unbelievable. Like, we got to shout out our uh, new Lord and Savior on, on draft Twitter, NFL Santa Claus, who actually made me aware to, <laughs> <laughs> aware to, uh, that Trubisky didn't know what a hard count was. And, like, it, it's on, uh, it's on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it. And that was kind of startling to me. I mean, not that it should be a deal breaker, but, if you don't even know what a hard count is, like how 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 high is your learning curve? That that's the Jared Goff, which way to the sunset question, where you're like, whoa, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second, no way. Yeah, so I mean, that that's, it's going to be so interesting because you, you we hear the buzzwords of like, oh, Trubisky is so intelligent, blah 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 blah, that we always hear, but like, is his offense like any more complex than what Mahomes is doing at at Texas Tech? Yeah, like I, I, no. I don't and, think it is. No, no and I, people get on to Watson for like, oh, one read, half field read, and it's uh, like Watson definitely did more than Trubisky. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. And actually, like Mahomes' offense, like if you want, it's pretty complex. It's not just like this like simple air raid scheme. Like, you know, I was talking with Ted Wen over at ITP. And he, he like, charted all of Mahomes' stuff, and he's been studying that offense. He's like, look, he's going to get to the NFL and probably have an easier playbook. Like, Clinsbury, like, put a ton on his plate schematically. Is it just um, a bunch of options? Is it a bunch of, like, option stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's a bunch of, like, routes that get converted, like... Yeah, side adjustments you know, and all that. Side adjustments, like, so you got to read the coverage. You got to be on the same page as your receivers. Like, every route has, like, two or three options, like, built into it. So, you know, I mean, that's, like, stuff that New England's doing and stuff that NFL teams are doing now that he was doing all the time. Yeah, I, yeah, I think we're on the same page that Mahomes isn't, you know, as raw as as he's made out to be. Next question from Simon Lee's: Which quarterback should the 49ers take, and at which pick? I mean, for me, I, I would I would just take Watson at two because I think we can all assume that Miles Garrett is going number one at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just, I would just take Watson at two if I was going to take a quarterback in this draft. 
I mean, Watson's definitely, I think, the safer pick just because, like, I mean, we've seen him do it for two and a half years. He's got two, you know, championship bids that were largely due to him. He's got two Heisman bids that he almost won. Um, And, like, we've seen Watson, because we were talking about Kaiser, like, okay, where is Kaiser mentally? Watson, we know that dude's battle-tested. Like, he's going to be fine if he has to go and win, like, three games his rookie season. Like, I don't think that's going to defeat Watson. Um, I think he's really mentally strong. And, like, Chuck, you've talked about this before, too. Like, Shanahan's coaching style is very, like, he's kind of eccentric and, like, kind of a control freak almost. So I don't know, like, how much that works for Kaiser. Like, Watson, I think, is super malleable and also incredibly smart. Like, I think Watson's, like, if they want to get a quarterback who can help them win now and build on in the future, like, Watson for sure is the dude. I think Kaiser makes a little bit more sense in terms of maximizing the potential of Shanahan's scheme and if they're okay to, like, wait on him a little bit and not necessarily force him into a job year one and, like, kind of let him let him simmer and cook instead of just, like, throwing him right in. Yeah, I think the the fit with Kaiser and Shanahan is – I think that would be a, a horrific fit, for like, from just from a personality standpoint. You, you think about, you know, what happened in, in Washington and even – the, the first season in Atlanta leading up into, uh, uh, like, the the offseason uh, last year, like, he, I think, I think combative is a, I don't know if I said that right. Combative? Yeah. Or, yeah. He, he, uh, he, he gets into the scuffles with his players a lot. And, you know, I mean, last year, Matt Ryan, they, they had a meeting in the summer where Matt Ryan was like, look, like, we need to get on the same page now. Like, you need to respect me and, and uh you know com- uh communicate better with the players and i just don't know if like just based off what we heard from Kaiser that like we talked before i don't know if that personality is the right fit for him cuz you know, I, I mean i would guess Kaiser's probably a more submissive type and if he's just going to let another grown man just run all over him I, I i don't i don't really like that fit yeah i mean i think schematically the fit with kaiser and shanahan's offense makes some sense you know and i was thinking that and then charles you know i saw you tweeting stuff like this what you were just talking about a while back and it had me kind of got me thinking about it and you know if shanahan's gonna be this like hard-nosed like really tough guy to play for i mean just look at the past season in notre dame and like kind of put the pieces together and maybe that you're right that that's not the best fit so you know given that i'm a proud member of watson hive then yeah just take watson at two and just go all right justice i don't know if you take kaiser at two man i take i take marshall Lattimore at two like i'm not taking i'm not taking i'm not taking kaiser over marshall Lattimore. i think like if i had to take a quarter yeah probably deshaun because you you can like you can do so much with him just out of the gate like, all that stuff now that, like, teams are running. Like, you see Miami running a lot with, like, Njoku or whatever you say his name. That play that he, he like, hurdled over the guy against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, like, he, he does it, like, Shanahan does a bunch of, like, tight at throwback stuff. And, like, that stuff is, like, totally perfect for Watson. Like, for Watson. Where it's just, like, run action from under center, roll out, and then throw back to the tight end. who's like, coming off of, like, closing down. Like, it's, run, like, it's like blocking, like, outside zone or something like that. They're just falling into the flats. Like, I could totally see Watson doing a bunch of early stuff like that on, like, first and second down. And then the, once third down comes, like, that's the thing about Deshaun. For the most part, we see, like, guys who historically have, like, not great arms, right? They're afraid to test deep, and that's why they don't, which is why, like, 
I can't remember who was saying it might have been Matt Walbin where he's like, you you do what you can get away with, and that's like what players are taught. So that's why like you see Alex Smith that he's like, I'm never gonna test deep because this never goes well for me. So defenses stop respecting that, and that messes up the whole ecology of uh, defense, right? Whereas like Deshaun Watson's not scared. Like if he has a matchup, if he gets a if he gets a receiver that he ends up trusting, even if it's like a tight end or something like that, he'll just go to him on third down. Yeah, and we especially saw that in the like the second half of that national championship game this year, where he's like, "All right, I see Mike Williams is open one on one. I'm just going to throw it up and see what happens." Yeah, uh, I mean, I I like that quality about him. I think the what's interesting about the quarterback conversation this year is like it, it's all about and we talk about this with josh norris it's it's really about how you value you know i, I guess each quarterback's process to to another because like i'm okay with some of these watson uh you know plays where he's in the pocket and he, he holds the ball too long but he's able to escape because you know he's a mobile guy like I, i'm okay with that result because i mean we've seen guys like aaron Rodgers and russell wilson and andrew luck to an extent get away with that in the nfl so i'm not really too concerned about you know, some of the flaws that other people see. The one thing that I'll say is like, okay, so Watson is, he's kind of a hard guy to evaluate because you can see how much he values matchups, right? So like there's certain situations where like he'll, he'll run like a double slant concept, totally fine. And he'll throw it to the right guy. And then he'll have another one where he's totally wrong, but he just, it's, it's third and two and he trusts Mike Williams. Right. So, and like, then you get deeper in his film and it's like, he's at, to some extent, he's a see it like he's a see it throw it type of quarterback, right? But it's not like it's not like he can't he can't go through progressions. It's just he's not a very anticipatory passer, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And you know, in terms of the matchups, like that's what kind of wins games in the NFL. Right. Like, getting what, your mean, guy. Dak Prescott got away with that for an entire season. Like Dak yeah. Prescott wasn't really doing anything other than throwing 50-50 balls when you talk about the deep game. Yeah. And, you know, so you get him with a receiver that he can trust, like you said, whether it's a tight end, whether it's, you know, an X or whatever, you know, who's going to have somebody he can go to on third and seven. And sometimes that's just the difference between whether a guy's going to have a good year as a rookie or not. Like having that like guy that you can look to and say, okay, what, no matter what happens on this play, no matter what look I get, I know that he's going to be running a back shoulder or an out or a comeback. And that's where I can go with the ball. And we're going to have a good result no matter what happens, no matter what I do. All right. Uh, next question, which uh, Derek should be, you know, excited to to discuss. How fast can Lamar Jackson translate to the NFL in 2018? Dog, he's good. Like people are talking about Sam Darnold as QB one, and he's Darnold's fine. Like he's he's not a bad quarterback. He definitely does a lot of things good. He saved USC this year. But, I mean, Jackson didn't win that Heisman by chance, dude, and he didn't just win it by athleticism. Like, you see him going through, like, full field reads, like, hitting his third, fourth progression. You see him, like, understanding where his hot is out of the backfield and, like, okay, if they're blitzing me and I know I have this back open and I don't get my first read, I can just dump it off to him and I don't have to worry. Like, he's very good at knowing what his options are. Um, and then you see him, like, he's really good at beating the blitz. Like, of all the quarterbacks that I've seen so far, I've, I've seen at least three games of, like, most of the relevant 2018 quarterbacks. Um, and the only one that I could say right now that rivals Jackson in terms of, like, understanding where blitzes are coming from and how to beat them with the ball is Mason Rudolph, who is, like, two years older than God Lamar level. Jackson. 
Yeah, oh, like Mason Rudolph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you look like him. Of course, you like him. Well, Mason uh, Rudolph's gonna be like the first, like first round senior quarterback from like a big school in like a half decade or something like that when he comes out. Mason Rudolph is legitimately good. He's good. Wasn't yeah, the last yeah, one Brian Whedon? Oh God. Oh. Well, he was a super senior. That he was really like a hundred years old. That doesn't count. He doesn't count. Okay. Anyway, Jackson. He he's really good. Like he's. I already know this summer he's going to get, oh, he, he was doing one read. He can't read the field. He should move to receiver. He's smarter than, like, all these other quarterbacks. So, like, I mean, if you think he's dumb, that's on you. You're going to miss. Yeah, I mean, like, with Jackson, I, I haven't studied him. I, I just kind of watched him because I, thought, I think Louisville's offense is just fascinating with him. But, uh, he like you said, mentally, I think he, he's, he's, he's pretty damn good. His accuracy is a little shaky sometimes, but – if he can improve on his accuracy, I mean, we need to stop. Yep. A- I mean, any we need to stop asking like what position he's going to play. And then, oh god, yeah, yeah. it's going to be quarterback. Yeah. If yeah, dude, Kellen Clemens yeah. is still getting checks. <laughs> Shasta Oregon. Like, yeah, like like if people are going to want to talk Lamar Jackson down to being like a day two quarterback, I don't necessarily agree at this point. Like, I think he's going to develop into a guy that you you want to take in the first round. But, like, if you're going to talk him down to a guy where you're not sold in the first round, I think that's fine and that's understandable. But to say he's not a quarterback is just, like, that's asinine. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. But this is this is where we're going to end This up. is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, that's, good. that's actually – this is the first time we've answered all the questions uh, through a show. So before we, uh, before we end this, you guys want to plug anything that you're working on? I know you do. Go ahead, Derek. Um, well, you know, like we said earlier in the show, I work for Eric Galco at Optimum Scouting. I have a, a big quarterback charting thing that I do called Quantifying Quarterbacks. It's got a bunch of numbers like, you know, third down, fourth down numbers, like conversion rates, how often they hit explosive passes on those. Um, it, it's just got a bunch of numbers. It's really cool. Um, so check that out by the Optimum Scouting Guide. Um, that's about it. Yeah, let me uh, just plug the ITP draft guide as well. Um, we're kind of putting that together like an NFL scouting uh, department is done. Uh, we've got multiple people looking at each position. Uh, we've got guys at the top that are kind of like stacking the board for us when we're all done. Um, we're going to have some interesting stuff as well. We've got Q&As with um, current prospects, guys that are in the NFL that have been through the draft um, that have answered some questions for us, some agents that have gone through the process as well that have either clients in this year's draft or previous drafts. Um, to talk about the experiences like we're gonna have some fantasy stuff in there as well so check that out it's at itpdraftguide.com all right sounds good and before we get out of here we have to uh blow up somebody's mentions and last, sorry hank yeah so oh, last week our uh last week who who, who do we have on last week it was ap oh or no AP. yeah we we got ap from kp from danny kelly Okay, yeah. So, Hank, sorry, but we got to blow up your mentions. So, you need to go on Twitter and tweet at Hank Jones. That's with two S's. Panama for spring break with a question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Panama Panama for spring break question mark. Everyone subscribe to us on iTunes. Peer pressure your friends. Five-star reviews only. Steal your girl's phone. Subscribe to her on there. Steal your mom's phone. Subscribe to her from there. I think that's it, right? Yeah. uh, NFL 1000... Draft previews should start rolling. We're doing like draft. Yeah, we have draft. I think in like three days. Yeah. 
Okay, I need to write mine then. Chuck, you want to start working on those? Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> no. Yeah, I will. Because Bleacher's Report is a very good site that gives a lot gives us a lot of money. So that's going to conclude episode 17 of Set in the Edge. We'll be back next week with Bleacher Report uh, magazine writer Natalie Weiner to talk about, I don't know, stuff. See you guys then. <laughs>